Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I'm also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for this week's ceremonial edition of Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News. We Bad Elves live our lives one spatial second at a time, and we know you, geoholics, do too. During this holiday week in the United States, I would like to take a break from contemporary geospatial science news and take a moment to reflect on Thanksgiving. Don't worry, we'll be back to the topics you expect to hear next week. As defined by Wikipedia, Thanksgiving is a federal holiday in the United States, celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November. It is sometimes called the American Thanksgiving to distinguish it from the Canadian holiday and other related celebrations. It originated as a harvest festival, and the centerpiece of Thanksgiving celebration still remains the Thanksgiving dinner. The dinner traditionally consists of foods and dishes indigenous to the Americas, namely turkey, potatoes, stuffing, squash, corn, maize, green beans, cranberries, typically in sauce form, and one of my favorites, pumpkin pie. Other Thanksgiving customs include charitable organizations offering Thanksgiving dinner for the poor, attending religious services, watching parades, and viewing football games. In American culture, Thanksgiving is regarded as the beginning of the fall-winter holiday season, which includes Christmas and the New Year. The New England colonists, who were originally accustomed to regularly celebrating both days of prayer and fasting in response to disasters, thought to reflect on divine judgment and also days of thanksgiving, thanking God for blessings such as military victory or the end of a drought. The event that the Americans commonly call the first Thanksgiving was celebrated by the Pilgrims after their first harvest in the New World in October 1621. This feast lasted three days, and as recounted by attendee Edward Winslow, was attended by 90 Wampanoag Indians and 53 Pilgrims. Thanksgiving has been celebrated nationally on and off since 1789 with the proclamation by President George Washington, also a land surveyor, after requesting uh, a Congress. President Thomas Jefferson chose not to observe the holiday and its celebrations was intermittent until President Abraham Lincoln in 1863 proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving and praise to benefit our Father who dwelleth in heaven, calling on the American people to also, with humble penitence for national perverseness and disobedience, fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation sort of a mouthful. Lincoln declared it for the last Thursday in November on June 28, 1870. Interestingly, President Ulysses S. Grant signed it in uh, to law with the Holidays Act, making Thanksgiving a yearly appointed federal holiday in Washington, D.C. Across the nation, people often reflect on the topics of charity, giving thanks, patience, prayer, and humble supplication during their celebrations. Additionally, As mentioned earlier, sporting events and parades remind us that the holiday is something special in our nation's history and that when we work together, anything is accomplishable. Okie dokie, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News. Reporting from San Marcos, Texas and B2 Studios, we hope you enjoyed our designated story of the week. If you have any questions about this story or about Bad Elf GNSS products, 
please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. Happy holidays, everyone. I beg you sick leg for a serpentine in red Elevate your tricep, you're a martyr in bed And you're sitting on a gold mine Shooting up the whole time Cleaning up the refuse of your flat shirt and coke line Now I've been pulling thread doing all, all kinds, kinds of evil Hit me baby, but don't break the needle Alright, how about that? That one, that one I've never heard before. Shoots is awake. I've never heard that one before. Me neither. Just one, like though. that. Here we are. Episode, that's, that's a new one. Episode one. That's a little, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the cat out of the bag here. It's a little Jay Roddy Walston in the business there. Oh boy, I can't wait to hear Jake's uh, breakdown of those guys. Oh, he, it's teed up. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. Episode 106, here we are. Shoots, safety apparel, safety share. What do you got, my friend? Dangers of energy drinks. What do you think about that? Whoa. I, I believe it 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I am a... Uh, a believer in energy. You don't drinks. drink them, do you? I used to, mm. and now I'm just old and lazy, and I don't need to anymore. Maybe you should go back to them. <laughs> it would wake me up a little bit. <laughs> Caffeine is commonly used in today's society to get more energy or feel more alert. While coffee has been around for hundreds of years and still the most common caffeinated drink in the world, energy drinks have been gaining in popularity over the past past few decades. Overconsumption of caffeine and other energy-producing ingredients found in energy drinks, such as taurine, mm. can lead to health, is- uh, health issues. And is In a study published by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, emergency room visits due to energy drinks doubled from 10,000 in 2007 to over 20,000 in 2011. You know what? I, I, I know that a lot of people that listen to the show mm-hmm. probably live on energy drinks. They do. And that, yep. uh, hey, I'm just take it easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, good advice. That, that's my advice. Mix in a water <laughs> every now and then. Yeah. You do? I said mix in a water. <laughs> oh, well, you, you can put vodka in them. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that'll slow you down a little bit. See, and then it's perfect. It just puts you like ooh. upper and a downer. Yeah. You got it. Right? Just don't drive yep, if, yep. You're, if you're putting the vodka in there. Exactly. Have Will drive you around and... <laughs> Somebody, for that matter. <laughs> All right. Last week's episode with uh, Land Jacks, super well received. Super oh, well received. Did lots you see that? A lot of, of activity, reaction, right? Yeah. On uh, like LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, who knew that the offshore survey world had. Uh, there was, there was that much interest or there was that many folks doing that type of surveying, you know, it was a really eye-opening episode for me. You know, I, I of course was aware of that type of surveying, but never really talked to anybody who did it. So it was super interesting. And, uh, we learned a lot. I'm glad it was received as well as it was. So that's pretty cool. Go Salukis. Uh, go Salukis. No doubt about <laughs> it. Let's catch up the, fo- the, bo- the folks, the boys the here folks. just a little bit. PJ, what's, the boys. what's new, buddy? Um, doing well, guys. I have kind of a fun article that I read uh, just the other day. This is, um, have you guys heard of this NASA program called DART? No. It's set to launch actually here in about three hours or so, but it uh, stands for, let me find the breakdown, Double Asteroid Redirection Test. So basically NASA is, is shooting off a, a rocket tonight from Vandenberg out in California, and it's set in 10 months from now, it's going to run into this asteroid at 15,000 miles an hour and blow it up. And it's supposed to be a test, like a doomsday test, to where 
in the future, if we ever have some sort of asteroid that's set to collide with us, that they can show that, like, hey, we've done this before where we've shot a rocket and blown up this asteroid before it gets to us. So something to watch USA. there. USA. Bruce, something to watch. Bruce Willis already did this. Yeah. This is old. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a $330 million mission. So wow. something to watch. And oh, they get, they, they've got a little, like, something behind it, too, like another uh, spaceship of some sort to, like, film it. So hopefully we get some cool video. They could have called it a fart. Well, freaky fast asteroid. Freaky asteroid reduction test. Yes. Jimmy Johns. They missed the boat on that. They missed the boat on that. That's too bad. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting and something to keep an eye on uh, tonight and then the next uh, few months until it hits it in. So that's awesome. Fun stuff. Keep us updated on that, PJ. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a fart check in in next September. (laughs) Ryan, how are you, sir? When When is it supposed to blow up? Ten, uh, September 2022. Oh, geez. So that's a long ways out there. That's how this stuff works, though, man. You got to be patient. Well, I don't have the math brain for that. Well, that's the good The good thing is we'll talk about it right now, and we won't talk about it until September until they blow it up, right? And so then it's it'll like, be like, we'll be like oh, oh, I remember, remember when we that? talked about that. Yeah, it'll be bringing it back. Do you have something to look forward to, Shoots? Put it on your calendar. Yeah, mark your calendar. When Hudson turns nine, (laughs) we're blowing up an asteroid. Who's the surveyor responsible for those coordinates? Exactly. I don't know. Galileo? I don't know. Virgil. Virgil could do it. Oh, yeah. He's got a telescope? (laughs) Um, I recently discovered an old school television show that I got to tell you guys about. Okay. I don't go to the bar anymore. But have you seen this bar rescue show? Oh yeah, John Taffer. Yeah, the guy's he comes amazing. In and just yells at everybody. It's fucking awesome. It's pretty awesome. I love it. He just comes in and he's like, "You're an asshole. You don't know what you're doing." And then yeah. these people have to swallow their pride because they know they yep. need him. He's a great businessman, though. Oh yeah, he's he's solid. He knows what he he's just doing. Says, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells it like it is. Yeah. No, did- I I know I'm late to this party, but this show is awesome. <laughs> they did the bar in Black Canyon City. The Oh Jack, yeah, they the did Jack that one. Barbecue. Mm-hmm. They actually did the show there. Yeah, uh, they did Tucson. It in, they did it in Douglas, Arizona too. Okay, uh, I, th- I think it's called the the, the Grant or uh, it's it's an old hotel there. But oh wow, he came in there and just I think they did George and Dragon. Everybody. They did yeah. the uh, Ginger Monkey and Gilbert too. Ginger Monkey. Ginger, Ginger monkey, monkey. Yeah. Is it still open? Yeah. Oh wow, I've yeah. never been there. They, it's one of their go it's one it of their out. COVID like episodes or whatever. Right on. So it's. It's still going on, I think. Okay. That's Ooh. right in my neck of the woods. I got to yeah. go check out the ginger monkey. Yeah. But he cracks me up. He's like this gangster kind of guy, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Slick, yeah. Terrible hair. haircut. Yeah. He has He's got like no coat. sideburns. It's <laughs> yeah, shaved on the sides. Uh, so bad. I am just late to the party on that show, but I love it. I have been hooked on it and watching it and staying up all night. So that, that's that's been my week. What about you, Kent? Uh, I got bit by my dog. What? Which one? Week. Yeah, uh, the the one we the street the new, dog, the newest. Yeah, the street, street dog, the yeah. street dog. <laughs> but it was my fault. It was my fault. And I was like, well, first of all, I got home, <clears throat> had a couple drinks, and I was messing around with her. I mean, no, no, I wasn't messing around with her. I was like <laughs> teasing her. <laughs> I was teasing her. I was like putting my hand like over her, like, yeah. her, her, her muzzle or her snout, whatever. And I was like blowing in her nose. You know, yeah. And she fucking nipped me in the lip right here. Oh on yeah. The so if, like tequila starts running out the left side of my face, that's why because I got a big fat lip right now. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it's been a great week. Yeah, fantastic. Well, <laughs> so, so the moral of this story is don't blow in your dog's face. So last week it was don't Probably. fall on their dog toys. This oh, week yeah. it's don't hold their snout closed and blow up their nose. 
I would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're already to the safety chair. We're learning that? so much. I should have used Dwight, the Dwight Schrute uh, uh, philosophy on that. You know, if, yep. the idiot. <laughs> if an idiot would do yeah. this, I do not do those things. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take my own advice, I guess is where we're going with that one. <clears throat> All right, let's move on here. PJ, tell us about uh, Mr. J. Roddy Walston in the business there. Sure, yeah. That was uh, Don't Break the Needle, J. Roddy Walston in the business, uh, American rock band based in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, the band was formed in 2002 in Cleveland, Tennessee by J. Roddy Walston. Uh, the business consisted of Billy Gordon, Logan Davis, and Steve Colmus. Their influence included, influences included Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, Harry Nelson, T-Rex, and Leon Russell. J. Roddy's sound has been described as a cross between Janis Joplin and Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, the band was known for their energetic live shows and Walston's pounding style of playing the piano. They dissolved in 2020 after 14 years of producing some awesome music. Those are some good influences. Yeah, and you got to check out their like their library of music. <clears throat> so fun! It's like that dirty rock and roll. You know, it is freaking awesome. And I actually saw them. They they came through. They've been through Arizona a couple of times. Been through Phoenix, and I saw them at a really small venue. And just an amazing, amazing live show. That's amazing. I'd love to be part of the business. What a I was name! I going to say it's a good yeah. name for a band. The business. We can call us like Big Shoots in the business. Big shoots in the business. Nah, Delphi Delph in the business. <laughs> we can go through a rebrand. <laughs> oh, man. Too late for that. All right. Um, here we are. Diamondback Lansfring Studio. Boom. Uh, right there. Yep. Yeah, boom. Right there. Uh, there may or may not have been a TK sighting in Arizona last week. I may or may not have had a couple drinks with TK last week. What? Yep. He didn't tell me he was Top down. secret. Top secret. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, Top man. Secret. You're going to dangle that carrot? The carrot Tickle been our ass with the feather on that, yes, and then just yes. leave it. That's it. Done. Was this before they they scanned the Raider Stadium? Uh, <laughs> see that? Yeah, it might have been before that. Yeah, TK's he, he's doing he does everything, man. Oh, oh man, I, I, just, I didn't get a phone call. I I am offended on this one now. You let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Feelings are hurt. Oh, don't be hurt. Oh, it's too late. Oh, by the way, I got something for you to give to the lovely Carrie. Don't let me forget to give it to you. Uh, it's a nursing tool. Speaking of feelings. Mm. All right. I'm going to get in the feelings tonight. <laughs> all right. Let's shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program. Who we got, Shoots? Uh, tonight is Advanced Geodetic Surveys. Advanced Geodetic Surveys is a Texas corporation specializing in mapping and land surveying equipment that has been proudly doing business since 1991. And since 1991, AGS has consistently provided expertise in the surveying and mapping industry. They offer a comprehensive list of competitive surveying and mapping products and services. The staff at the AGS has a combined experience of over 135 years. With that in mind, you can be sure that you are able to solve any problem and the obstacles that you may encounter in the field. Their number one priority is customer satisfaction. They look after their clients and strive to provide a hassle-free experience for all your GPS mapping or surveying needs. They guarantee reliable equipment and offer short and long-term rental options to fit your needs. Go to agsgps.com shop and if you use promo code GEO15 you will save 15% off all regular priced field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. At AGS, it's the service after the sale that counts. Dude, I'm so glad you don't go to the bars anymore. Why? Take a breath. Because, I mean, you never could have got through that as well as you did. <laughs> I, had a, I had a little, but it's still there. 
All right. That's a lot. It's a lot. And then I got you over here hawking a loogie while I'm doing it. I got shit falling off the the walls behind behind Steve. (laughs) We're going to hell here. All right. Time for the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. We got a bonus here this week. So since this week's episode is another... um, Value added. Business of land surveying episode. Uh, These are kind of business related quotes. The first one is by Mr. Steve Jobs, CEO of Apple. And it goes like this. I'm convinced that about half of what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is pure perseverance. And I have to believe that everybody on this panel this evening agrees with that one. Here's my honorable mention. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Love that one. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Yep. Two two beauties there, eh? <laughs> That's a big smile. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else before we get on with this? No. I, I'm still wondering about that TK drink. We're about to blow people's and how minds I here. was left out. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's about to cry. I am. I'm sad. It's okay. Well, it'll be made up to you. Don't you worry. It better be. All right. All right. Here we go. So as I, as I mentioned, this is another one of those business of land surveying episodes. And we, we did this episode prior from like a medium to large business perspective. So we're bringing it back down to like a small business perspective this evening. And we've got an amazing panel of guests with us that are going to definitely add value to, uh, to the topic. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. First of all, I'll mention their names. Will Wing, Nolan Mark, Michael Thompson, and our special assistant to the co-host, Steve Gangwell. So, Will, if you would, tell us a little about you, name your company, how big your company is, and the icebreaker is... Hold on, I got, I got a really Google good icebreaker. No, no, no. What is your guilty pleasure? Don't think about that too much. Think about the important stuff. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kent. Appreciate that. You bet. Uh, here we go. So, grew up in northern New Mexico. Uh, love the outdoors. Uh, got introduced to a great department down at New Mexico State University. Literally just, like, took me in, showed me that there's going to be a shortage of surveyors in the future. And, you know, I already loved being outdoors. I already loved every aspect that surveying already is and they were able to open the door and show me the path to go down. So can't thank those guys enough. Um, the program's still going strong. Um, anyways, ended up out here in Arizona, uh, worked in the private industry for about 10 years in the public sector for about four years, been on my own for about four years and, um, you know, just trying to, uh, Take it all in. What's and, the uh, name of that fine company? What's the name of your company? Well? What's that shameless in, plug? <laughs> Let's hear it. Infinity Land Surveying. And how many employees does Infinity Land Surveying have? Uh, you're you're talking to them. Got, yeah, you know, that's, perfect. Got, that's perfect. That's you perfect. Know, yeah, it's that's know, as small as it gets. Just right? like any yeah. small company, you know, I've got I've got my father-in-law. I've got a, a couple other guys that I can call if I if I wrangle up something that I can't tackle on my own. I've got a few guys, you know, and. I'll say this relationships is everything. So, you know, as a small company, you guys all understand that, 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 that's everything. So, um, in a nutshell, just, you know, been in the big world. Now we're in the small world and trying to expand, but trying to bring up a whole nother generation in the meantime and kind of show them 
how awesome this profession is and, and, uh, you know, you can actually make a living at it and, and have fun and, and give back, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And you recently had an article with your kids, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was XYHT thing. And, you know, anything to get the word out there, you know, publications, this show, anything that, that we can, you know, show these kids that are stuck on their phones all day that, you know, come on out, man, we can, we can do a real a treasure hunt and, and get paid for it. And, and, you know, you guys are all right there and you got all this in your hand and you just got to, like I said, open that door for them and, and let them go. So and it's pretty cool. I, and Will's got three kids and he's got them out in the field with them regularly. With them and, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's not like, come on, we got to go. Like when I was a kid, my dad bringing me out there, you know, he's like, get the machete, clear the way for me kind of thing. You know, I was just kind of his, <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but like your farm <laughs> but i've oh, seen the, the posts that you've done and um you know the things that you've knowing your kids too but i mean they're they have a genuine interest and i think it's because they have a great teacher and like showing them like that this is you know a great profession and there's a lot to learn from it and like you were talking about so it's pretty cool yeah yeah again so anyways here we are um and great to be here and it will and, and what's your guilty pleasure <sighs> you know, my wife will walk in and I'm on the internet at like two in the morning Uh-oh. and I will take GLO notes, like the field notes yeah. I have from other jobs. Yeah. You know, I've got to get them for like power lines, everything that shit is tied to GLO section corners. And so I will overlay the earth point nice. KML yep. on Google earth and go through the notes, you know, chain by chain. And like, I was just there Cross the wash, 32 mm. links wide, bearing northwest. You know, cr- there was a, a windmill, 32 links northwest, whatever. Holy shit, that windmill is still there. We're there. My wife walks in. What are you doing in here? I'm like, <laughs> check this shit out. We were at this windmill. This shit was there. She's like, oh, my God. I'm going it's like dance. survey oh. porn. Yeah. I was just going to say, next time, just tell her survey <laughs> porn. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, Will, before we move on, um, you got a pretty good following on uh, social media. How do folks find you? Uh, you, can, you can find me on Instagram at infinity underscore land surveying. Uh, or, sorry, infinity at AZ land surveying. And on LinkedIn at William Wing. There you go. There you go. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Uh, Nolan, you're next, buddy. Well, I was so deep into Will's uh, story there. You might have to remind me of uh, what I'm actually supposed to say again. How about just uh, name, name of company, um, how many employees you have, and your guilty pleasure? Uh, Well, I'm Nolan Mark with On The Mark Land Surveying. Uh, I'm currently the only employee. Uh, but as of January 3rd, I will have a second. So going up to nice. two. Uh, located out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and as far as my guilty pleasure right now, it has to be Yellowstone. I mean, I will binge that every Sunday. I I have been following that show since the beginning. Love it. There's some surveying in it too, so you can't, yes. can't knock on it. <laughs> there is for And sure. one of the latest episodes had easements in it. So, oh, wow. Know, really? I haven't seen it. that one. That is super cool. Uh, and oh, the cattle guard, right? Oh, the cattle guard? 
the cattle guard mm-hmm. easements. Here. Yep. Yeah. No spoilers. Come on now. Yep. Sorry, sorry. So wait, wait, wait. What's Why are you the? Ruin it? I, I I saw something. I mean, I, I like Yellowstone, but I'm not near caught up. But I saw something on the internet about Rip. Right. So Rip's like this obviously big strap and handsome cowboy. Right. Have you seen him like in real life? Like when I mean, he doesn't have the beard and he doesn't have all the car hearts on and shit like that. He just looks like an average guy. Looks like home. He's no better looking than you, Gangwall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Steve's Steve's buff. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> you yeah. Oh, I know. I know. All right. Uh, good enough. Michael, you're next, buddy. Oh, I know. Uh, all right. I'm Michael Thompson. Uh, business is Halma Thompson Land Surveys. I actually started as a small department of an engineering company and in 2010 and when uh, they didn't want that anymore. Or they said they're getting out of that business. Me and a drafter bought it and hired back all the people they had laid off. And since 2015, we've been running it as Halma Thompson Land Surveys. Uh, seven staff right now. And um, guilty pleasure. I, I guess uh, lately it's been uh, my buddy owns a comedy club and I've been doing open mic comedy. What? No, are you serious? Not, 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 yeah. I'm not very good at it, but. It, <laughs> hey, you got the balls to get up there. Can you give us just a little yeah. demo, real quick? Yeah, give me, give me oh, I don't know. Like, I know this is not a PG show, but it's kind of it's it's all locally based, so I don't know. It'd be lost on a national audience, but that is how do you know cool, Canadian? Man. Eh? Tell some curling <laughs> jokes. Oh, I don't know. I set myself up for that. I I probably shouldn't. It's definitely would get R rated pretty quick. So I, I'm just that is to, cool, man. That's awesome, awesome, Mister Gangwall. You're next, buddy. Um. Well, Steve Gangwall. Yes, Steve. That's your name. That's my name. (laughs) Um, I work for Steve Gangwall Incorporated. Incorporated. And we have one employee. His name is Steve Gangwall. (laughs) How many times can we say Steve Gangwall in one minute? And um, yeah. Just real quick though, since it's about small business, and you have a, uh, a background in small business. Talk a little bit about your upbringing, your dad owning a small business. Okay. Uh, my dad's a civil engineer, uh, retired civil engineer, um, focused a lot in transportation. And uh, he did a lot of site stuff too. Um, and I had no interest in engineering or surveying growing up. But as I kind of mentioned earlier, he would just drag me out on the weekends because, you know, he had to do some surveying. This is old school stuff, right? So, yeah, I don't even know what the instruments are called. Three man crews. <laughs> Three man yeah, crews. Chain, I probably still are using some of those. So, yeah, you, yeah. you, you yeah. just you were holding the dummy end of the tape, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. That's how we all started. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least us old guys. Anyways. Yeah. And the machete. That was the yeah. only fun part. He's like, Here's, yeah. you know, clear some cactus out of the way. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just did that as a kid. And then, um, you know, he. He started his business in, he worked for like BNSF. He worked for um, some oil companies, I think, yeah. as well. And then he got and started, he moved to Tucson from Denver, started his own business um, in 82. And um, when the recession of 2007, is that when it was? Eight, eight, eight nine. Eight, yeah. Yeah. So long ago. Horrible. Yeah. Um, I have a business background. So, anyhow. Just being the good son that I am, I said, hey, Pops, let me step in and help you out real quick. And it was supposed to be a, a temporary thing, and it just stuck. And I was there for 10 years. Um, so we had, like, up to six crews. 
you know, um, again, focused heavily on the transportation. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the main reasons I wanted you to be here on with us this evening is just that, you know, you have an operations background, you yeah. know, and you're working for small businesses. Um, and, and then that's how you're going to bring tremendous value to this conversation. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me here. And even your recent job was at a small business. Two, actually, my last two. Every yeah. every job, actually. I haven't worked yeah. corporate since out of grad school. Um, but, yeah, last couple of positions have been Have been small all business. small business, yes. and, you're, yeah, you're used to that. And Steve, you know it inside and out. Yep. I'm a huge small business advocate. Steve got yeah. thrown Steve got thrown into the fire. You know, when I when I got, came in over there, yeah. I saw what he, you know, he wasn't a surveyor and wasn't an engineer, but came in a, in a management position yeah. and – the stuff that was going on there that he had to deal with. Yeah. I don't even know how. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, when I, when I started there, he was telling me some of the stuff, and I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, well, you, you you just got thrown into the fire. And, I mean, if you can deal with that, I mean, then, yeah. you know, having some good people to work for you, it's, it's going to be, like, a joy, like, because some of the stuff that he was dealing with, like, geez, And then he crazy. left me and went work, work, work for APS. I know. <laughs> Those benefits having a family. <laughs> right, right, right. How long have you two been dating? Just curious. Right. <laughs> About 12 years now. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, we got to know what's, what's your guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. So around 2 a.m. when I'm off my laptop. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're messaging Will. <laughs> yeah. Check hey, out these you... points. Yeah. Is that windmill? <laughs> Wait, scroll back, scroll back. <laughs> so funny. All right, so here we go. Let's get on with this. I want to start things off. Now, I've read this paragraph before when we did this the last time, but I think it sets the tone of the episode perfectly. And this is from the Management Handbook for Land Affairs, written by David, I'm sorry, Daniel E. Beardsley in 2002. And Beardsley actually owned a surveying company for over 25 years. And this is what he wrote. This is prophetic in my opinion. It has been my experience that surveyors as a group exhibit poor business practices. There are certainly expectations, but my opinion is that poor business management has been the only reason that land surveying has not risen to the level of other professions. Recording stopped. In eyes of the public. There is reason, after all, why surveyors should be considered with less regard than engineers, lawyers, or dentists, except for one thing, money. Engineers, lawyers, and dentists are all regarded in general as being better off financially than we are and are therefore placed higher in the social stratum of society. If surveyors were perceived as being as well off, they would, over time, be held with similar esteem. We have only ourselves to blame for this fate, and good common sense business decisions can help us elevate ourselves. I'm sure that everybody on this panel tonight (laughs) can agree with that. I totally agree with that. Right? So let's look at some statistics here. And I know Michael has some input on this, being from Canada. Uh, Looking at the Department of Labor statistics for 2020, the median pay for surveyors was about $65,000 per year in 2020. Uh, And for civil engineers, it was about $88,000 per year, um, which is about 35% more. So, Michael, I'm going to let you chime in here real quick because I know that you had a comment about the $65,000 per year number for surveyors being pretty low. Is Is that correct? Yeah, I don't. Is that based on a professional surveyor, or is that based upon anybody that can a great question, see a straight line? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It's not. It's not clear. It's not clear. I think. Yeah, it's, in mm-hmm. in Canada, we have like our federal statistics will tell you that uh, land surveyor makes similar amount of money. You know, U.S. sixty five thousand a year, mm-hmm. but it's because 
the non-professionals are answering those same censuses that are coming through. Like the Alberta Lancerbury Association did a study for 2020 and that the median salary is 117,000 a year uh, Canadian. So like 93 US or so. And, and, and I don't know whether that it might be that you have to have the university education essentially here or, or challenge all the exams. But I, but I'm wondering if in the U S maybe it's just a problem of, you know, who's answering those census questions, whether it's someone that is really a surveyor that has proper training and a proper experience, or whether it's somebody that's on a construction site that can use a carpenter's level. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Michael, based on what you know, based, based on what you know, um, hold on a second. We had a <laughs> catastrophic event here in the, in the studio. Based on what what's, you know. What's Steve doing there? There's too many wires in there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you do at 2 a.m. Come on now. Exactly. Um, so based on what you know, what would you say? So you have the licensed surveyor, the guy who's managing a survey group, what have you. And then you have, you know, the entry level guy, instrument operator. I'm not sure what you call it in, in Canada, but you know, what, what would you say the variance is there? Like a guy who's managing a survey group and then, you know, a guy who's entry level into the career. Well, I think that 65 number is, well, maybe 65 Canadian if you're entering into the career. If you're talking somebody that is, has got like uh we call it a college diploma, but basically a two-year, two-year education type thing that can go out and be a field crew and whatnot. You're, you're probably below the the sixty-five U.S. level. I mean, you're probably more at the um, twenty-five, thirty dollars an hour type of a rate. But it it all depends on whether you that's where you end your career or not, not end your career, but if you stay there for your whole career or if you move on to the professional level here, it's a little bit different because we only regulate cadastral surveying. Like anybody can, anybody that can open the lemonade stand can do construction layout mm. versus it's all, it's all about regulating boundaries and that's all we regulate. So there is a, there is that jump from um, what a non-professional surveyor makes to a professional surveyor. And you can have people that are very professional that do um, really complex construction layout jobs, but they're not, considered quote unquote professionals because that's just a boundary surveyor. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the important thing here about these statistics, you know, maybe the statistic is like the average, like we're saying, especially here in the States. But the point is in this case that engineers typically make about, you know, 20 to 30, maybe 35% more than what surveyors Mm -hmm. do. And that's, you know, that's part of the problem that we want to discuss. And Will, I know you got something to say. Yeah. Well, one thing I think you need to also think about is, Overtime, okay? Surveyors work a shitload of overtime. Uh, most engineers are on salary, so you're gonna, you, you've got to dip, you've got to put that factor in there, you know? I mean, yeah, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, a normal surveyor's salary, or, or sorry, his hourly wage is going to make this much, and if you're using that as the number, that's not entirely accurate because, you know. They work yeah. a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, you guys were all small business owners, right? Right. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm not going to ask you what you guys make, but how do you how do you look at that? You know, I mean, as a small business owner, I would like to think. Let's say, let's say in the states, a guy who manages a survey group, he's been surveying for 20 plus years. You know, he's making 120, 125 thousand dollars a year, and you guys are fighting the battle every single day. You know, will in your case, one man show. Uh, Nolan, in your case, one man show, Michael, you know, you got a small team with you, but still, I mean, 
Does that $125,000, $135,000 year salary appeal to you or are you happy doing what you're doing? And what are, what, are, what, are, what, are the, what are the rewards of being a small sole proprietor business owner? Nolan, go ahead. Um, well, for me personally, uh, just comparing that number, in nine months, I've done well over that on my own. Sure. And that's because I refuse to race to the bottom. I am trying to find those clients that are going to respect what I do and pay me the most I can. Um, so would I ever go back to that position again, giving 40 to 50 hours a week to somebody else and, you know, not seeing that amount that I see now? Absolutely not. Um, of course, what you don't see or what maybe small business owners aren't talking about is like, for example, I'm in a hotel room right now. Spoiler alert for anybody listening. But I mean, that's me making a business decision, whether I wanted to work till six o'clock or later and then jumps, you know, there are a lot of weeks where I will work 50, 60 hours a week, but that pays off versus what I was making before. Exactly. And that, yeah. And that's a lot of putting in your own time and you're getting the payoff from that. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Will? Yeah, same thing. You know, I gave it just like I do now when I worked for another company. You know, there's really no difference in in the effort and the, you know, not letting your your coworker down or your boss down or whatever. It's that same it's that same drive you have with your clients, you know, and so when you're the only one holding the bucket at the end of the day, you know, you you work twice as hard, you know, but then at the same time you understand what's really important and what's somebody just making a lot of noise and okay, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, but, and I, I'm sure you understand that too. I think the, the, um, effort and reward ratio Mm -hmm. is much, much more, um, real. Yeah. So obviously when you're self-employed, if you're not doing well, you got no one else to blame but yourself. Sure. Posting a company, it's a little bit different. You can kind of, slack around mm-hmm. you know also you got benefits like you can choose your your clients you can choose your projects your jobs um opposed to when you're working for someone else and you just show up and you got to do what you got to do right yep. like nolan said you're not racing to the bottom exactly yeah hey michael in your case i'm, I'm curious you know we, we talk about surveying becoming a uh, a commodity a lot you know and that's a lot of it is because we've allowed that to happen um your clients in particular, I mean, do you think that your clients see serving as a commodity or more as a professional service? Oh, that depends. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, you want to say it's a, a professional service, but I'm also in, in the business of uh, residential, um, we call them real property reports, but um, s- surveys for the purpose of land transactions. And really in, in Alberta, where I am anyway, it's the seller that's paying for that. So they really don't care. They just want, it's just another fee for them to, um, sell off their house. So in those cases, it it does become a commodity. Uh, that's that's not my business model. Like we we will do that, but it's just something to keep the guys busy while we're not doing work that actually makes money, like the the better margin work that we really want to go after. And uh, I guess this goes into maybe something we'll talk about later. But you know, I'm, I'm the most expensive guy for that type of survey, the commodity survey in town, and that works out because um, my 
my competition might be backed up six to eight weeks on those types of surveys. I'm only backed up two weeks, but I'm charging a lot more money for them. So I'm doing the same amount of work and making more money. Um, it, but you really don't want your services to be a commodity. You want that. Um, I'd say that in, you know, you're going to follow one of four models. Either you, you're the cheapest, you're the fastest, you add value, or you make your client feel special, right? And you don't want to be the cheapest. And being the fastest is a lot of stress. So I really want to be in that that market where I'm going to add value to the client or I'm going to make my client feel special. And that's where um, you get the most reward, you get the most money. That's, in my opinion, that's where I want my business to be. No, that's fantastic. And one thing you mentioned there that kind of caught my attention is that for the commodity driven work, which a lot of times in our area anyways, is like construction staking. I mean, typically is a commodity driven sector of what we, what we do and the services we provide. But you said something interesting that you're probably the most expensive for the commodity type of work, but yet you continue to get that work. What do you think allows you to be successful there? Well, it's just a matter of what the, the clients think is the most important thing. Those clients that where price is the most important thing. I don't get those clients because my competition figures out what I charge and they try to charge $20 less. So they get all those clients. So for example, on uh, real property reports, uh, I typically don't get the people that are calling around for the best price and all they really care about is offloading it. I get the law firms and you know, I might charge 50% more for my service, but because they just want it done and they want to know what the price is in the end, they value different things. It's in small, well, in business in general, but especially in small business, it's a really hard concept to get that your clients may not care about price at all. They, you know, what they're looking at it, you're a very small drop in the bucket. If you can provide service level that is, makes their life easier and you're charging more money, they're happy about that. They want that. It's, you know, don't, if you're in the race at the bottom, you're going to get the worst clients. So if you just value your service and, and the money will come on that. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Nolan, in your case, you've been in business for yourself for what? Eight months now? Was that it? Eight, nine months. Yeah. Eight, nine months. How are you maneuvering your way through, you know, uh, getting the commodity based work versus the professional service type work? Well, I think, you know, eight or nine months ago, you asked me that, you know, I'm, I'm not charging the 200, $300 for a lot survey. It's just ridiculous. I'm, I don't want to go out there and, you know, burn my time to do something like that. Or, you know, maybe a mortgage lot survey, that's just two pins, tape up a house and throw on a piece of paper. And then the realtor's happy and they get a close. Like, I'm going to tell you what I think it's going to be. And that's what it's going to be. And if you don't like that, you know, that's what I think I can do to get the job done and make money. I'm not here to be a charity is what I tell people. I'm here mm. to run a business, be profitable, you know, and like come January 3rd, start hiring people. Um, so yeah, I was a little bit more aggressive when I started off. Cause you know, you go from having a secure income to, Oh crap, I need to make money. I need to make it fast. I never went to 200, 300. I definitely was above that and I still am and I'm still upping it and I'm still getting work. So, but there's other reasons to that. And I know we're hitting on those topics later. So I think also there's the, the, um, the quality of how these requests for a surveyor is proposed. So like they're, you know, it's, it's 
give me a proposal. It's the low bid. That's the way it goes, right? Yep. Lowest bidder's going to get this job. They don't care who it is. Yep. And how, how they do. So. Yeah. Would you say that because of the market, and Will, I'm, I'm going to pose this one to you. Would you say the market right now being what it is? I mean, uh, I guess in Arizona, that's you know, the best example I have. I mean, it's freaking insane on the construction side, right? And I, I, I'm finding that it's not always, it's not about the lowest bid right now. It's about how soon can you get to it? And they're willing to pay a premium for you to get out there before the other guy. Are, are you seeing that same thing, Will? I am. I am. And, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's more like they just want you to communicate with them. Yes. Because people yep. are so busy right now, they won't even answer their phones. They won't reply back. So if you just, you know, take the time to reply back to them and I mean, literally that's how easy it is right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, that's it. They're just like, Oh my God, you, you replied to my call. Yes. Yep. Can you meet with me? Yeah, I can meet with you. Oh, thank you. Can I buy you lunch? Can I, you know, do, yep. you, do you want to go to a son's game tonight? Like, I'm like, well, take it easy, man. <laughs> you know, I just met you, but that's how it is, you know? Yep. And, and so just, yeah. And you have to be careful doing it because you know, you get these cold calls out of the blue and you're like, Oh, I, I you don't tell them, you know, like I did one right across the street. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? And like, Oh, I already have, you know, four more to do, but you know, and so that's what you find yourself, you know, you're kind of being, that's how you build those relationships is being the guy that can do it. But when you start stacking those up, that's, that's the problem, you know, that's then, the problem. That's the problem. That's, that's so true because yes. I mean, I think, you know, you and I are a lot alike in that way. It's like, you don't want to say no to people, <clears throat> but at the same time, it's like, you got to know your limitations. You got to know. Yeah, exactly. And you understand their struggle. So you're yep. like, look, I can, it's not that big of a deal. Let me help yep. you out. Oh, shit. I got yeah. five other people that I got to get to first, you know? So yeah. In my case, but, you know, I, I work for a little bit larger company, but, and I, I get calls all day long. I spend, you know, most of my day fielding calls for proposals and things like that. And I'll be like, hold on a second. I'll text Will. Will, can you take on this for me? He's like, dude, I'm booked out like two months. I'm like, son of a, you know, cause like it's, it gets harder and harder to find people that you trust, that you want to give the work away to even, you know, like I, I feel like I'm in a position to give away a ton of work. If I could just find people that ha first I trust to have the capacity to do it. But those are two things that are very, very, very hard to find right now. You know, and, and servers, it's, are, it's such high demand. I mean, we're in the driver's seat in so many ways. You know, I'm not saying we should take advantage of that situation, but allows us to be selective on the clients that we want to pursue and, and, and take on. So looking, uh, going back to the um, discussion about the wage gap, basically, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. This is a great opportunity to close that gap. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. You're exactly right, Steve. And I don't have a problem paying somebody to come in and, and get going on that. If you're yeah. on board, let's go. You know, hey, yeah. they're willing to pay. I'm willing to pay. Let's go. You know, but finding that motivated individual is a little bit difficult mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Michael, are you seeing the same thing in, in, in Canada? Well, when you're talking about the wage gap, one thing I was thinking about, maybe this is a, I mean, Canadians are bad at this too, but um, you guys don't tell anybody what you make. At all, like it's just like a taboo topic. Like you're not like, hey, I can't grow. I, I make so much a year. When you're talking to people that are maybe getting into the industry, like I'll, I'll tell people, I'm, I pay myself 120 grand a year. Well, that's Canadian, so it's less. But you know, then because it's small business, if I get dividends, that's all on top of that. I think maybe that's just part of 
why it's hard to get people into the industry is if you actually just were a little more open about that, don't be ashamed about what you make. And it's interesting. It, I like that. You know, really interesting. Yeah. Take off that, that taboo subject. Like, you know, Ken's I'm, I'm don't know how much you make, but it's probably more than 65,000 a year. It's like 66, <laughs> like 66. <laughs> so you're correct. Yes. Uh, add a like, one. Do, do several engineers actually make a third more than surveyors, you know, at the professional level? Probably not. There, there seems to be some skew about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, Nolan, what, what, what are you seeing on that? Uh, and what well, do you make a for, year, Nolan, uh, with your own business? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not been a full year. He hasn't year been in business yet. for years. <laughs> Projection wise. And what are your what are your tax shelters? Yeah. Let's go down that route. Let's just see your returns. <laughs> and oh, wait, oh, let's. Let, you want to know thing, my though. social security number while I add it? I think now is a really good time to add this. I think it was our last episode when we talked about the business of land surveying. Somebody said that if you're starting your own business, you need to find an attorney and you need to find an accountant. You want to make sure that those two are around your same age so that they can grow with your business. That they're consistent Absolutely. with you the whole time. Yes. I thought that was advice. unbelievable advice. Absolutely. The guy we were just I heard those first two things as well when I was starting out or, you know, asking people about businesses. You need an attorney. You need an accountant. On top of that, you need a bank. You need, I mean, you need a financial backing. I mean, there's other things to think about besides just... I can go out and survey this tomorrow because I have a license. Like you are, you are not, nobody's questioning whether you're a surveyor when you start your own business, you got to be a businessman first and then a surveyor second, because otherwise you're not going to make it in this world. So Nolan, what are some things that, um, you know, over the course of the last eight months that maybe have caught you by surprise or that, that, you know, that, uh, that you've learned from, you know, maybe mistakes that you've made, we all make mistakes and we want to make mistakes and we want to learn from those mistakes. Um, it's when we make mistakes, we don't learn from those mistakes that we continue to make mistakes. <laughs> so talk about a little bit that, that uh, maybe have caught you off guard just a little bit over the course of the last eight months. Uh, at least for me, I would jump in the boat of it's hard to say no to people. Um, I, I just don't like saying no and nobody wants to turn down work. Uh, what's, you know, I, with the last topic of, you know, I have a set schedule where I think I can get every survey done that, you know, comes across my table. And, you know, it's like four to five weeks, but then there's always that one person I'll call and be like, Hey, I need this by Friday. And this is on a Monday. And you're like, dude, there's no way I can get this done with, well, I can get it done. And you tell them that. And it's like, it's just expedited. I'm going to charge you double. Here's what I would charge normally. And I'm sorry, but if you really want it done, I got to go through and take all my other loyal clients or potential new clients that I'm building and be like, I can still fit you in but you got to make it worth my time. Or if they can just understand that you're in a hotel room, you know, trying to get yeah. stuff done. <laughs> We're and, taking up your time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I only have a few things to draft tonight, but you know, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just I, communicate with Will. He's up till 2 a.m. watching survey porn. So yeah. I'm good. Nope. We're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the other thing that's uh, surveying has always been a trade where, you know, you don't pay until afterwards. It's kind of mm. been the norm. Another know? great topic. And, yep, another great you know? topic. And so that's you know, you're you were talking about advice that you would give to someone starting a business. Another, and this is advice that I was given by Kerry Griner. Mm. In Trent, yep. Trent, know him. He told he told our whole class. He said, 
do not start a surveying business if you don't have enough money to survive for one year without mm. getting a paycheck. Interesting. And oh my God, was he correct? Because, <laughs> Interesting. You know, and you don't understand if you and if you're going to get good jobs, these are with with cities, with towns, and they don't pay every two weeks. They yeah. don't pay. They pay. You know. When the project's when it's done, and you're the last, the surveyor is usually the last one on that list to get paid, and the first one's on the job. Exactly, the first one's on the job. So you really need to understand that before you start out, because it's that's a rude awakening. And absolutely, I mean, I I was pre warned, but still, it's yeah, really good point, Michael. I mean, that that kind of brings me to another um, point of conversation. It's uh, getting retainers, for example, Uh, Michael. Is that something that's popular? in your business practice, do you get retainers for clients? Maybe it's just new clients. You tell me. Well, you got to control cash flow. If you're at that commodity level, you got to get, as a minimum, get payment before releasing your product. But it, especially if it's boundary stake, staking type of work, get a retainer or get that credit card number before. Invest in that, what we call Monero Sub Canada, but whatever, like take credit cards um, because. Yeah. You're you're gonna run situations where someone says, "Oh, can you please stake this boundary for me?" And then they find out, "Oh, well, my neighbor's fence is two feet on my property. Well, they should pay for that." And then all of a sudden, you're yeah. in a loop where you never get paid for that. That so you gotta take that retainer ahead of time, and you're gonna weed out a lot of undesirable clients by taking a retainer. If you just say, "Well, okay, we can do this work for you. We don't really know what's gonna be. Here's an estimate, but we, you know, we'll take your credit card number and we'll take a retainer of." three thousand dollars whatever else and some people the people that say well no i'm not doing that uh you probably just saved yourself a whole lot of effort by by vetting them that way it's get taking credit cards was one of the first things i did when i started a business and i i'm so happy that i did it's uh yeah the people that are selling the nicest that are trying to schmooze you or they're often going to be the ones that screw you over. Yeah. It's and not only that. If you are new in an area and there's somebody that's just a jackass that has screwed over every surveyor in that area, they're you know they're coming to you because everybody else has already fired them. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be if you're starting a business, you got to be wary of these people. They're around. No question. I would add to that. I would at least say contracts too, or professional service oh, agreement. How many people don't even do those? Yeah. I mean, the, the rule is you're a please, small business. Doesn't mean you can't give someone a professional survey or professional service agreement or contract. Like, especially if you're doing insane. Yeah. Great if you're doing point. subdivisions or anything of like anything that's higher value work than thousands of dollars. The rule is please, 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 for the love of God, get a side contract. Yeah. I know, but it, it, it is hard whenever you take over someone else's relationship that they had with somebody and you come in saying, well, I need to retain her. Well, you know, hell, I worked with so-and-so for 20 years and we never had, you know, we, we, we always paid our bill. We were never late. And you're going, well, okay. And so, you know, you don't want to lose that client. So you're taking them on, but there's a little bit of risk there. And then, yep. Going, okay, well, it's a good I, point. You know, well, I, yeah, you know, and that's but, the struggle that I have. It's because you don't want to lose, especially when these are big clients. You're like, oh, I, I don't want to be pushy. You know, they can pay it, right? You know, they can. Yeah. Then why don't they? That's they have a history. Exactly. Like, but you're, trying, why to, don't you're they? trying to get right. that hook. Once you get, you know, you're trying to, you're no. casting, right? You're, ca- yeah. you're just, 
Yeah. So that's, it's just, that's it's trust. You build trust with that client. They're going to exactly. keep on trusting you to do the work. You're going to exactly. trust them to pay. And in small business, trust is everything. Uh, is. I think hmm. that it was, you know, Nolan said earlier, relationships, relationships are everything. When I'm talking about the retainers, I'm more talking about those clients that you really don't know. But if you have somebody that's been working for you for years or working with you for years, um, I wouldn't necessarily go after them with the retainer spiel. If you've been working with them on a system payment and they've followed that system payment, why change what isn't broken? Um, I mean, you can use your own judgment on that, but it's ultimately it's your call. It's your business and things might fall apart once in a while, but if they retain clients and re retain relationships in a fashion that gives you uh, economic benefit that um, covers the the relationship relationships that go sour, then then that's just a good business model. It's uh, it's really a personal call at that point. Let me ask you guys this, okay, Steve, you're a really nice guy. <laughs> Will, you're a really nice guy. Michael, you're a really nice guy. Nolan, you're a really so. nice guy. I think I used to be a really nice guy when it comes to business, but I'm not so much anymore. I think it's possible to be a nice guy to a fault when it comes to business. Would you agree with that, Steve? Absolutely. I think that's um, applicable just as as a person, right? Yeah. Just being yourself, when you're especially a small business owner, you're representing yourself genuinely and truly, right? So you're representing, if I'm Steve, I'm representing Steve not just Steve King Wall Enterprises or whatever, um, because I am that company. So, you know, yeah, you don't want to be walked on, taken advantage of, yep. whatnot. You want to be tactful, professional, and just the thing is, is like, do what you got to do and move on. If it doesn't work out, just move on. Go to the next you know, turn the page. Move. Yep. It's okay to say it doesn't work. It's, it's okay. We're not a match it's, type it's, thing, right? Exactly. It's yep. like, and that's, I think that's actually uh, true for every profession, mm -hmm. any kind of um, service, right? Yep. So like I'm right now, I'm going through a lot of, I'm getting a lot of painting um, proposals to mm -hmm. paint our house. Yeah. I must've got eight, which is like way overboard, right? Most right. people get like two or three. I'm like on my eighth. I think I got two more this week. Um. But it's interesting because right now this is kind of relative, maybe not, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but because the, there's so much demand right now yep. that it's like, okay, I got, I'm getting some wacky proposals right now. I need to make sure one that I got apples to apples. That's number one, right? Yeah. As a, as a, as customer. Right. And so making sure I'm getting apples to apples going through there, making sure that who's going to be responsive first of all. Right. So I'm like, this guy, took three days, four days to respond to my email. Other guy, instant, 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 professional, tactful, showed up on time, et yep. cetera, et cetera. So like taking all these things into consideration. Um, but to answer your question, if, if, if you're being a little bit of a pain in the ass, if you will, it's okay to just say, no, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not trying to be your lowest bidder. I'm not trying to, you know, just trying to be upfront, yeah, and just, honest. You gotta, you gotta be honest, right? Yeah. So, and, Nolan, in your case, like you, you know, you're eight, eight, nine months into this, right? And you're trying to be a nice guy to everybody. Are you to the point yet where it's like, I gotta stop being such a nice guy? 
Well, if you ask my wife, she's probably dying right now laughing listening to this podcast. She would disagree that I'm a nice guy. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, like you want to hear everybody's story. Like, like Will said, you just want to pick up the phone. The easiest thing you get business right now is just picking up the phone because someone else doesn't have the common courtesy to even pick it up or recommend somebody else or just be like, hey, honestly, I just can't meet your timeline. I'm sorry. Like, you know, it's really not that hard to be a good person, but apparently it is sometimes to some people. Yep. But, you know, I try to give everybody a fair and honest price and I tell them, you know, I'm here to make make money, make a business and grow it and hire people and give them the true honest story, you know, and there's people that I, I will say no to, I'm, I'm not interested in going lower, you know, thanks, move on to the next person. But there, I mean, two weeks ago, there was one older lady just recently divorced, you know, got to my heart, you know, I, I told her what I would normally do it for. I understood her story, you know, but that's the thing is as a business owner now, in, that goes a long way to somebody, you know, maybe it's good karma, maybe it's not, but you know, sometimes, just being a good person and, you know, being a professional is going to go a long way. And, and being able to decide, right? Because it's not about. You have to decide. At the end of the day, it's not just about money, I guess. Sure. In that, in that situation that you're talking about, Nolan. Yeah. But you yeah, can't. And you got to paint a good picture for everybody else, you yeah. know. Not everybody's got to paint a good picture for the professional. Uh, so. I, I might be a terrible person, but when there's a little old lady that's so nice and you want to help out so much, alarm bells should be going off in your head that something is wrong here. Yeah, Michael that, is as calloused as you are. He's callous like me, right? Yeah. It's like I love old ladies, but like, when they call me and they're bag. like, "I got this going on and this and that," I'm like, "You know what? You got yourself that's, in this situation." No, that's my, that's when I text Will. That's when I text Will. Will, can you take on this old lady? That, that's the thing about surveying. I mean, it, it's not like the painter. You know what I mean? Like they are literally relying on you for like their their life, their boundary. Like this is do or die for them. If you know what I mean? And, and so it's not just like, okay, you know, I got to have a thousand dollars down before I start. Like, no, once you get into that project and you understand the history and now, I mean, before you know it, you know, the history of the neighbors and their grandparents and who owned it. And I mean, yeah, especially true. out here, like we're Good dealing point. with actually patented land mm -hmm. that came from, you know, straight from the, straight from the guy that patented. And this is his heirs that are out there. And, so you have that relationship with them where it's hard to just, okay, you didn't pay me. See you later. Like, uh, no, like remember you, you were out there with them. We hiked to that corner. You showed them that stone that was marked and showed them the notes. And so you have this connection with them and it's hard to just shut them off for business. You know, you, yeah, that's, it's that's like the that, Yellowstone you, reference. You get all, their hooks right? in, yeah. They yeah. do, man. And then, and then you get interested in it too. And it's like, ah, man, I mean, it's like Rip. He's so handsome. Yeah, you just lock him underneath the um, the cattle guard. Spoilers! Stop. Oh, yeah, stop I mean, it. I don't I think have not any, watched it yet. There's no other profession or trade where you are this interlocked with the client to where they start telling you their life story, their history, and they have to because that's part of the, your job. That's part of how that land became what it was, and so you have to humor them. You have to sit there, and so. Uh, do you remember John Stock? Oh yeah, I love yeah. John so, Stock. Uh, he, uh, good he, old Maricopa County. Love that guy. So, so during the during the recession, I went to one of his his seminars, and mm -hmm. he said that the best thing that a surveyor can do is uh, get their license in mediation because you are a mediator. Yep. Like it or not. Yep. 
you don't, you can't control who's going to drive up and ask you what the hell you're doing and who you're working for and what you found. And I mean, you literally have to be Johnny on the spot with history of, Oh, you know, so-and-so's dad. Oh yeah. He's cool. I know, you know, he already let yeah, me, he gave no me the doubt. code to the gate and it's just, so it's hard to just put a monetary value on something. And when you have all this invested in, Damn it. That's what we do. And it's so funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was just talking <clears throat> somebody today, as a matter of fact, it's like, I would love to just do like expert witness serving. Just be that guy that's an expert witness. Why don't you? Because then you talk to, you get to see both sides of these two surveyors, right? Like, did you ask these questions? Did you ask these questions? Did you, you know, it would be unbelievably interesting, you know, and then be like, okay, you've got the best solution because you happen to ask the right questions to the right people. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I would love that job. No doubt about it. Yep. You can do that. It's, make, make a good relationship with some attorneys, land title and attorneys. So does this go back to Steve Gangwall Enterprises? It does. Am I, am I under the umbrella? You could be. Okay, let's you're do in, it. You're in the trust tree. You're in the trust tree. Let's do it. When you spend two weeks, two or three weeks working in a certain area on a survey, you kind of give a little bit of your heart to that place. Heck yeah, pretty no much question. Know, you know who owns this piece, that piece. Yep. You go to breakfast every morning. You see the guys that are there. You kind of, and then, you know. You're part later, of the community. You're driving through there and you're telling your kids, hey, I've been up there. They're like, we know, Dad. We know. <laughs> Staked all that, yeah, we know. Oh my god, I mean, that's, that's hilarious. That's the that's the hard part to separate the business and the, you know, the I don't know the mm -hmm. the, the just the heart and the and the yeah. ethical part of it. It's hard to separate that. Sure. When you have to deal with the when you have to, you know, yeah. take all that in in order to to get the job done. So let me ask you guys this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Michael answer this first because he's got seven employees. Whereas Will, you have you. Nolan has <laughs> Nolan. And well, well, no, I told him a second. Will, you have you and your family. Nolan has Nolan and his family. Michael has him and seven other families, right? Six. How, how, how am I going to? A lot of pressure. Gonna, it's a lot of pressure, yeah. So, and it's funny to me when I ask, when you start talking about the, you know, the old lady that calls, the guy who's got seven other families to that he's responsible for, he was a little more calloused about it. He approached it more from a business perspective than a personal perspective, right? So I have Michael. I think you probably look at things a little bit differently. I hate to say the word callous, but at the same time, you're looking at things like you have to make X amount of dollars. There's overhead. There is. Yeah. There's targets that you have to hit. Um, correct. Yeah. Well. Well, I'm talking Canadian dollars, but I have overhead of fifty-four thousand a month, and it's, it's a lot of pressure. You got to hit that minimum target in order to make money. But on top, it, I don't worry about it too much because I pay myself. That's very important if you're going to be a small business professional. Is pay yourself first. Don't get into this idea that oh, I can get tax savings if I just live off dividends and and run my company this way. Well, no, just treat yourself as an employee and everything gets a lot easier. You know, some months you might lose money. Some months you might make money. Um, if you're losing money more often then you have a bad business model and you just have to look at it, but it's, you really just, once you pay yourself and you know that you have that set salary, then you can make proper business decisions without having the emotion or the roller coaster of, Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage this month? It's you. You just have to treat yourself as an employee. 
Yeah. Not only that, when you treat yourself as an employee, then when if you ever get to the business of shopping yourself around for uh, for for selling out or for merging with other companies, well, you have a proper business model because you pay yourself. That's it, always a thought when it comes to small businesses. Do I want to be in a small business forever and will I make anything out of this or do I want to join up with a large company or come up with a, a separate business model? You you really need to, That it comes back to what your previous, I forget what his name was, your previous guest said, get a good lawyer, get a good accountant. Yeah. That is such good advice. Because you need to be able to value yourself. And do you really want to run this small survey company to the point where you're 65 years old and it's not really worth anything because all the value is in you? Or do you want to run it as a business so that you can show, hey, my business is worth three times the annual profit of the business. I pay myself. So this is all above board. So I can say my business is worth X number of dollars. And that not only allows, like, I'm, obviously, I'm not selling my my business right now, but in terms of valuing your business, you can even talk about that to other companies, bigger, smaller, doesn't really matter. Um, you and that helps build relationships. I know when I'm, I go back to Nolan saying relationships are everything. They they really are. As you know, I got seven employees in my company. If a larger company comes up to me and says, can you do a large 3D scan of skyscrapers in downtown Calgary? Or can you do this 500 well project? I say yes, because I have the network of people, of other surveyors that I can call upon to do this. Like it, if I'm a company of seven people and I hit a contract where I'm going to do $2 million of work, I could contract a company of 100 people to do that and they are going to be happy as a pig and shit to do that like it's all about perspective in that matter man so many points to talk about there for sure (laughs) uh no one here's the thing like no, Nolan's like he's kind of like the guinea pig right now because he's only been doing this for like eight months, right? I'm taking and, notes, Nolan. And and Nolan's like he's still taking the surveys from the old ladies that call and are you know having a sob story and stuff like that because he has to, right? Well, maybe not. He can he can correct me if I'm wrong. No, he has a heart, is what you're saying. He has yeah, he has a heart. <laughs> he still ha- <laughs> he no, doesn't hold have on, to. No. He he's, just has a heart. No, no, no. He's oh, bleeding hearts are bad for business. No, no, hold on, a second, hold, on a second. <laughs> hold on. Let me let me clarify. He still has a heart. Yeah, there, there you will go. come a, po- a point time where he no longer has a heart because just like michael just said <laughs> bleeding hearts and business are not a good thing so nolan respond to that well i mean not well maybe after you know this episode everybody's like hey i live with my 85 year old grandma you know they're gonna pull that card but you know not every survey is that survey not every call is that one you know sure uh, ironically a lot of my calls are can you get it done by friday or this date and you know that's it comes to I have a lot of good clients or I have a lot of expedited jobs. I can justify the cost of, you know, this one old lady at this one time. But it also comes back to what I'm charging and my and my rates and everything else. Like Michael said, he's he's proud to say he's probably the most expensive in town and I'm proud to say that too. And you know, I'm not bragging to be the cheapest. I'm not bragging to say I can get four or five surveys done a day. I'm I'm saying I can get you a quality product and get it done on time. So you know, when I first started, everybody's like, oh, you're new. You should have like the lowest rates or low overhead. And then I show them, they're like, oh, we thought you'd be cheaper. I'm like, sorry, you know, yep. this it- is what I think I'm going to do to charge and make money. 
As, as soon as you set that precedent, then you get walked all over. So you got to set that precedent pretty high. You got to raise the bar high, no doubt about it. But you got to you got to follow through, obviously. Well, too, of right? course, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you got to answer your phone, and you got to be answer your yeah. responsiveness yeah. is a yeah. giant, giant element. It's amazing. It is amazing how much people appreciate responsiveness. It's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know what the deal is. I mean, maybe it's just everybody's so busy, but even if I get a call for a survey, I know I'm not going to be able to do, I will still respond. Well, just think about you as a consumer for anything else. Yeah. You call for something. Yep. You want someone to respond. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'll be like, you know what? I can't help you on this one, but I'd like to recommend blah, 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 blah. There you go. Keep me in mind for the next one. Call Will Wing. Yeah, opposed to just well, I tried. Well, he's booked like four months out, <laughs> something like that. So, let me ask Will and Nolan something. At what point do you how, how do you know when you're at the point that you want to hire somebody full time? Well, you can go first, <laughs> yeah. Will, go first. I don't want to be the guinea pig, you know. Honestly, I just like to find the right individual that has the right circumstances to where I could help them help them. Just, just show them, you know, what there is out there and here's the tools to do it. And let me kind of show you the, you know, show you how to do it. But like a new career path, you're looking to group. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, look at it, you know, you know, you talk about all the, the survey programs and, 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 the, and the students coming out of there. Well, honestly, most of those are, are middle aged. They've already worked in the field and they want to get licensed for the state that they're in. So they've gone back to school. So it's, it's a weird dynamic of people that are coming out uh, because some of them have, you know, 10 years of experience, you know, as a hub pounder, and then they went to school, and now they're coming out with 3D scan ex experience, but really it's just at school, so you kind of have to filter that out. But, yeah. but if you've, you know, at the end of the day, it's finding somebody that's, that really has the, has the drive and the interest and that wants to, you know, to pursue it because I've – all of us, you know, you, you, you've showed somebody and they just don't quite get it, you know, yeah. but, but. Uh, so like, if you found the right person, do you like, are you in a position to bring out a full-time employee? Oh yeah, definitely. If you yeah. found the right person. I've, I've done all the background, you know, I've got the insurance ready. I've yeah. got the paycheck, you know, I've got the, everything in the background is ready. It's just finding that, that. Diamond know, in the rough. Like I said, you want to clone yourself, right? You just, yeah, if you no doubt. Just, you know, find somebody that can just. You don't have to be perfect, but just somebody that you can, you know, meet your criteria, polish the edges, and just sure. lead them in the right direction. Because yeah. all of us have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. But if you can just take somebody else and point them in that direction and show them, I mean, who wouldn't, right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you get paid to go off roading. When I was a kid, I was like, if I could just find something that I could just get paid to go off-roading, I'd be happy for the rest of my life. <laughs> and now you're doing it. Here we are. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I'm a little bit more involved, but. Yeah. A lot of these people that are coming out of school and have jobs or have had careers before, they're too expensive. They priced themselves out of your business. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, finding that, that person that's just, and I, that's. That's our, our, our struggle in the trade, you know, it's just for sure finding them and then keeping them there because, the, you know, the retention part, we know, huge. Yep. you know, at first it's not the greatest monetary gain, you know, mm -hmm. if, you know, I was there, I was serving, I was working every day in the summer. So are my buddies, you know, but they were electric, they were in the electrical uh, union and they were making like $10 more an hour than I was. 
Yeah. You know, we were living in the same house, waking up at five, going to work, sweating every day. Yep. And they were on this path and I'm just like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta work for this guy for four more years and then I can do my own thing. Like there wasn't really like a set path for it. And so I think you're just gonna, you know, you gotta, you gotta filter out those guys that are girl and girls. And girls. Right, yeah, for sure. It, yeah. We've, we've had some awesome ones and it's yep. called people. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's how, so Nolan, how, how how long is it before your wife says you need to hire somebody? Well, January third is the official start date for my second so second you employee. Have a, so okay, you have a full time employee coming on. Awesome. Yeah. So your wife, right? It's not related. <laughs> it's actually, to not my wife. Or... No. Good. <laughs> she gets paid under the books. Come on. Good call. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, for me, you know, at first it's like. You know, can I do this? The first test is, can I really do it's this? It's a big step, so, huge step. You know, the, the first few months are, you know, you're going to struggle or you, you know, I had a really good start. I had a lot of recommendations. I have good networking. And then, you know, kind of came to a halt for a second because I didn't have my website up. I didn't have anything ready to go. I wasn't doing marketing. You know, I was just living off a of recommendation. So I, you know, I was like, if I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. I, I need to build my brand. Um, so then, you know, I, I get a foundation i get steady income i get those good clients i have you know just random clients that trickle in but you know i have to have that foundation so for me it was just proving that i could do it and then it's just it got to the point where i don't want to stay up all night i don't want to pull all-nighters i don't want to work every weekend i don't want to you know i want to stop working every day that ends with why you know so it got to the point where can i justify i mean you can always justify hiring somebody but you know just making sure I have the income, treating myself like an employee, like Michael said. But um, yeah. I've probably been ready for a while, but, you know, timing's everything, finding the perfect person. You're never going to find necessarily the perfect person, but you want to find someone that you can trust more than anything, especially as a small business owner. It's just when you're the one doing everything and you're going to start passing that on to somebody else, it's nerve wracking because, you know, I'm hiring a guy with zero experience in surveying but I can trust him. I know who he is. I know his background, you know, trust is going to go a long way more than, you know, hiring a guy. I don't know that wants a truck, wants a phone, wants everything handed to him right away, but he might leave tomorrow. He might find something better Yeah, because he knows industry. And essentially you're giving yourself now two jobs, right? Mm. Oh yeah. Cause Good I have point. to do my job and make sure I'm training him at the same time and giving him everything he needs. Yeah. So and, and oversight yeah. and the whole thing. Right. Yeah, so there's that stepping stone. Yep. It's a tough place to be in, but it's it's a place. It's a it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Yeah, like when when you're you know a, a I guess a sole proprietor and you're getting ready to add somebody on, it's like you're not only taking on that person, you're taking on that person's family. You know what other responsibility? It's like you are responsible for their paycheck. You know, it's like holy crap, their that's, that's a big their step. Life, their yeah. livelihood, yeah. yeah. No question, no question. Michael, I'm sure you can uh, uh, contribute to this conversation. Absolutely. Like um, when I took over the business with just two staff, we were started hiring back people that were played before. You got to remember, turnover is very expensive. Like mm, when you're going to take on people, you have to put a lot of thought into. How you're going to retain them? Are where are they in life? Are they do they have young families? Are they do they really want to be in this business? You know, it, I don't mean that as a mean thing. I just mean is 
is this a great fit? Are they going to be here in three years or five years? It, you, I would rather overpay somebody than have them quit and have to replace them because it's it's more costly. It's more costly. In the long, in the long run, it's definitely more costly. Yeah. No yeah. question. And and if you're in a situation where you've paid somebody too much and they're still your employee, well, you're down a little bit on the books, but you're you have a somebody that's advocating for your business. Yep. That's going to be loyal. And having loyal employees, like you, there, it's a marketing. Um, well, I don't even know the right word. It, money's a great it, motivator. Right? Well, yeah. money's a great motivator, and it helps build your business because you have another advocate. Yeah. Well, Michael, what what would you say has been your biggest asset to keeping good employees? Well, I've talked about with Kent about this before, but I think that in general, survey companies treat their field staff like shit. It, if you want, most people want to have a family. They want to have a good life. They want to be able to have their weekends to do whatever they, whatever whatever they want. You know, to meet their needs. You need to be able to allow people to do that. I know we like to say that. Oh, if you're in survey, you work a lot of overtime. You can make a lot of money. Well. How do you measure success? What is the motivator in your life? If it's just money, well, most people, it's not just money. You want to have a good life. You have to treat employees in how you'd want to be treated. You have to really allow them to have that family life. When you have that 20-year-old that's coming into the industry and they're working 70 hours a week in the middle of nowhere and getting wet up to their, their nads, you you know, that's not going to be the career that's going to be for them. You just treat them how you want to be treated. It, and then you're going to have loyal employees. You got to have that work-life balance. And Absolutely. Work-life balance is huge, and it's missing from this industry. And a little bit of humility mixed in there, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, su- I, I do suppose. Yeah. I yeah. put myself out there. oh man so um where are we going with this let's see talked about that talked about that what do you got steve you got something to ask i don't know i mean my day and age i'm like old school now right they call me old school old school steve that's your name (laughs) and you didn't you didn't talk about uh building labor equipment materials yeah talk about that definitely something we want to touch on before we talk about money <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. What is this stuff? Money. Yeah, yeah. Michael, out. go ahead and lead that conversation. Well, you have basically two ways to run your survey company. Well, not two ways. You can use both of them, but either you're going to bill somebody based upon a fixed fee quotation or you're going to bill somebody upon labor equipment materials where, you know, what it takes is what it takes. And it's really a, a balance in in how you go. Like if you have a farmer that wants to subdivide a piece off a quarter section, they don't really care that you charge this much an hour and it's going to take this much to have an estimate. Just tell them, you know, it takes five, $5,000. This will be done. And that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear like, Oh, well, here's my hourly rate and blah, blah, blah. Just add it up. You figure it's going to be $4,000. So you tell them $5,000. And when it turns out that the job was easier than you thought it would be, 
you know, maybe a $3,000 job, you still charge a $5,000 because you got to mitigate your risk. Um, some jobs might go terrible. Like you might tell them that it's a $5,000 job and it's being a $10,000 job. Well, that's mitigated by the, the guy where it was really easy. It, people really appreciate knowing what they're going to have to pay ahead of the time. I've got so many clients off my competitors that say, oh, well, it's labor equipment materials and they get told it's going to be a $3,000 project to get something done and they get a bill for $12,000. Well, that really creates a lot of pissed off people. Mm. You'd be a lot better off just to mitigate your risk in your proposals, in your in what you charge. And when it comes to a job that was that easy, um, in the end, all the client sees is you're flagging your plans, right? So if if you're flagging your plans are no different than for somebody that's a where you performed a easy job or a job that took half day versus a job that took a week, you know, that's how you mitigate your risk. That's how I run my business is risk mitigation. If I have a $2,000 job, they quote $5,000 on it. I do not feel guilty about charging $5,000 on it. I'm so glad you said that. Don't feel guilty if you're making money, right? Isn't Profit that why, is isn't not that why we're word. in business? Yeah. And I, I love that quote. It's like, you know, oh God, I can't remember exactly how it reads. It's like, you're not paying for, you know, the two hours that I did. You're paying for the 30 years that I spent learning how to do it in two hours, basically. Right? Boom. Yeah. There's another saying that I'm totally going to F up. <clears throat> but it's like, you know, someone, I'm totally going to F this up. It's the tequila. Don't yeah, worry it about it. It is a tequila. And essentially, what he's talking about is like someone calls some yeah, right. ship mechanic. He's like, all right, mm. you know, mm. fix this. You guys know the saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, so, you know, here's $5,000. Like, all you did it was tapping the hammer here. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well, $1 for tapping the hammer and five th- 4999 yeah. for knowing where to tap it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Nolan, feel free to add to that. Well, I think I heard you on a earlier podcast say, you know, you're more of a T&M guy where I tend to disagree with that. I'm more of a lump sum guy. Um, if building off of what Michael said, if you know, generally after so many years, the amount of time it's going to take to get into these projects where you do enough research, you're probably bidding them enough or putting them enough hours out there and the money to get it done. And, you know, if you do a T&M, you're just going to get whatever you put into it. If I bid a job for five thousand, and you know it takes me three thousand dollars to do it, heck yeah, I just made two thousand dollars. Like, but if I didn't do that, I'm two thousand dollars shorter than what I would have got. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a big T and M guy on the construction staking side of things, not on the the legal side like Boundary Alta Topo. Lump sum on that stuff, but construction staking. If you want to pay me T and M for that stuff all day long. At my billing rate, you, you like to it. restake things five times, don't you? I don't like to, but I want to get paid to do it. <laughs> I, I like Nolan here. I should have a call with Nolan later, but I would offer that in general, if you're going to go more of the TMN route than the fixed fee route, like I go the fixed fee route, I raise it for the amount of risk, but I'm going to lose some projects. But those projects that I lose are going to be the lower, lower margin end of yeah. the deal. So I'm okay with that. Then I have more time to do higher margin projects. And yep, in the end, exactly. I have happier clients and I make more money. Agree a hundred percent. Well, what do you got to say about that? Man. And what is most of your work? It's just lump sum or how? 
I would yeah. imagine you don't do a lot of construction staking, right? But isn't your lump sum projection based on T and M? You got it. Is. In theory, it is. So then, in theory, it is. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. Else, would you come up with your lump sum? You got to be well, like, this that's is your time problem materials. With, when you do boundary surveying, it starts out as a boundary. Okay, yeah, you need a boundary, and most of the clients they don't know what they need. You have to educate them. Okay, mm. what what are you doing? Are you building a house? Are you exactly separating yep. out? You know, you ten acres. You <laughs> want to create idea a survey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. First hour and a half is deciphering what they really need, yep. what they want, you know, where they're at, you know, are you in Apache Junction? Or are you in Scottsdale? Like, yeah. what are we talking about here? Yep. You know, Platted lot, aliquot exactly. lot. What do so, we got going on? So you've got all that going on. And then, I mean, uh, it's literally like a two hour conversation before you figure out what they want and how much they're willing to pay before, you know, you move forward. And yep. so it's hard to decipher your, your, your customers over the phone like that, you know, yeah. because you don't know who you're talking to. You could be talking to, you know, uh, who, whoever, you know, yeah. a guy that retired last week or a guy that's, you know. So what are, uh, what are the CEO kind of questions company. you guys are asking to get that information to know, am I going to approach this with the T as a time materials or lump sum location? First thing I ask, where are you located? What about you, Michael? Well, I already know some of that because if if it's a farmer that wants to subdivide off a pivot corner for their kid, it's going to be more of a lump sum some type of a project because they really they're not they don't like dealing with lawyers and engineers that say this is my rates and I'm going to charge you whatever I want. That you really want to just give them that security. Like landowners really appreciate knowing how much this is going to cost to get to the end and they will never argue with it when it comes to engineers or a lot of work i do is irrigation so irrigation districts the more sophisticated clients i'd say they they will appreciate the value of professional service they deal with lawyers and engineers all the time and you just have to put yourself on that same level and tell them i'm going to get you the end product at the best a price that is available and it's because of my expertise you're selling your expertise it comes back to are you trying to be the cheapest or are you trying to add value to the situation you know i am the expert you're paying for my expertise i'm going to make your life easy and i'm i am the best you're trying to you don't say it but you try to portray i am the best investment for your particular problem and i'm going to help you solve your problem are, yeah. the, are these conversations that you're having after your proposal or, or this, is this before? No, 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 no. You have to have this conversation before, okay. yeah. during the proposal. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, have to have the, con <laughs> please, 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 for the love of God, have a side contract. Yes. <laughs> I, I was just going to circle back because, you know, that's what I do. I, I pretty much say in my contract, this is the agreed upon lump sum price, you know, but, you know, if turns out like, you're doing a boundary survey, but now they need a subdivision plat because the county's requiring it because they're either going to subdivide it off and they've only already done two or three sell-offs and now they need to do a subdivision plat. You know, if you don't, if you don't tell me that up front, I'm going to charge you for what you ask. You're going to sign saying this is what we agreed upon. And then I'm going to have a clause in there that says if you need additional work done, either A, we're going to, you know, come back and renegotiate to a new contract to, for our new project or we're going to agree upon a T and M rate at that point. Yeah. So yeah, a reasonable client will, 
a reasonable client will know about scope creep. They'll, they'll recognize scope creep, right? If you yeah. have an agreement, you have a signed contract on something, and then it completely changes, you say, you know, whoa, this has completely changed. This is now what the price is going to be. You have to account for scope creep. And that's not, that's getting out of the small business side of things into the big business side of things. But my competitor, when I'm competing against these survey companies that have 500 staff, you know, Honestly, that's how they make money. They say, oh, we'll do things for this low of money. Oh, as soon as something changes, we're going to have a change of scope. We're going to have a scope creep. We need a new contract. That's the dirty way that they make money. And, you know, nobody likes to do that, but you kind of got to, in small business, you got to run on the same principles. If you say this is going to be $4,000 to get your subdivision done, done, and then something comes in like, oh, well, you need soil testing or you need, some sort of there's some condition that makes this more expensive well that was unforeseen let's back up here's where we are now this is how much money you've spent this is how much money it's going to take to get you to the end goal you know that's not bad business practice that's being a professional yeah and that brings up a whole other conversation on collections and a small business oh, because God. <laughs> uh, please, 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 for the love of God, have a site contract. Well, right. don't, it doesn't flow, matter. It doesn't right? matter. Until that shit is in your bank account, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, I so, mean, I, that's, it, we all that's why you get the that, attorney. So, you have a good attorney and good account. Or the right? retainer is even better. Right? Yep. It is. It is. But the retainer, no doubt about it. And I'm assuming that all you guys, like, you have a signed contract for all the work that you do? Oh, yeah. Definitely. You have to. I you mean, have I to. wouldn't say but you there's come deviations, back to- you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have a signed contract for a topo and a boundary, but yep. hey, when I was doing the topo, I I saw one of your grade state or one of your building corners that was hanging off the edge. Yeah. I want to know about that. Oh, guess what? You just inherited a new project. Right. You know? And yeah, good point. I mean But it depends on the type of project too, right? So like on the public projects, it's it's even worse. Let, let me ask you guys something. This this might <laughs> if you identify a, a problem in an engineered plan. You're gonna you, you know how it's gonna go. Let, let me ask you a question that might be deemed controversial. I don't know, but so like Will and uh, and Nolan, you know, you, you have I don't want to say little overhead, but the your overhead is substantially less than somebody like whoever, you know, another 200 person firm, right? So let's say you and the 200 person firm were pursuing the same project. Okay. Would it make sense for you to do that project for 30% less than what the 200 person firm could do it for? Negative because it's the same personnel that's showing up on the job to do the job. So and it goes matter. back to what you're saying. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. And what Michael was saying earlier too. Yeah, exactly. Driving yourself to the bottom. But I think there's a lot of people that don't, I would say there's, I don't want uh, majority. There's, there's a lot of people out there that view that differently. There's like, Hey, I've got no, I, you're bidding this survey for $3,000. I can do it for $1,700. So therefore I'm, my bid's going to be $1,700, but you're leaving X amount of dollars on the table that just doesn't make freaking sense. On the other hand, if you're going and you're shopping the most or more expensive folks for a service, mm-hmm. a product, yep, and 
you are able to provide the same value mm -hmm. and service at a less price yep. that is still satisfactory to you yep. and it ends up being less than that, why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. So, so many projects are government though. Like obviously I'm in Canada, you're in the US. When it comes to government, it's always going to be the lowest price. And th the people in the government might know that you're the better choice and that it's a terrible idea. It's a complete mistake to go with the lower price, but they can't, they have no power to not take the lowest price. They have to. There's a lot of firms that are going to take advantage of that and do substan or sub. They're going to cut corners. They're going to cut, cut corners. corners. Thank yeah. you, Ken. To provide an inferior product. So it's very important to know who your client is and if they appreciate and can appreciate added value to what you do. As surveyors, we could sit, we could save multiples of our service value in a project by our advice. Like if, if our final billing is $10,000, we might save our client $50,000 just by being there from the get-go and providing the proper advice. And when we come to this lowest price takes the, the cake, a lot of that is lost. The problem is being able to communicate the fact that you provide that value. And I think that is the jump between a small business and a big business is being able to communicate that added value of your professional service. Absolutely. No question. The whole added value thing, that, that makes all the difference in the world. What do you, what, what say you, Nolan? Well, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, knowing your client or what you're bidding on. You know, if I, I don't have that many clients that I'm going to see a bidder's list or, you know, even if I do see that bidder's list and I see certain names on it, you know, I'm not going to spend as much time diving into it. Sorry, you know, A, they're half the price as me because they're not charging enough in their rates. Yep. And it's not going to be worth my time to even put a, a good solid number together. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's sad to say that, but you, you see those clients, you know, you gave the example of, you know, I'm a small business guy, but I know some 200 firm is going to bid the project as well. You know, why can't I up my price then? Like, yep. I'm not trying to undercut that business just because I know, A, I, I might have a smaller overhead or multiplier, but, you, you know, I had one boss tell me, what do you think the project's going to go for when I was in SIT? And I already, already knew, like, when we would see those lists, you know, what it would go for. And it's like, do you really want the job that bad? Do you really want to not make as much? You know, those are the decisions you have to make as a business owner. Do you, yeah. How bad do you want the job, basically? Yeah. Are you buying the work? Are you buying the work? And when you don't have employees, it's easier to make those decisions. Right. Yeah. But I think in this, in this climate right now in the industry, I don't think so many people are buying the work. Right. You don't have to. Right. So yeah, I have a question. If you are, it's foolish. Yeah. So what, what is the biggest challenge for you right now, Will, in your business right now? What are you facing right now? Number one challenge. Time. The, yeah. People, the people in the time. People, right. To, yeah. Because the demand is high, supply is challenging. Exactly. How about Michael and Nolan? Could you guys agree on the same thing? The number one challenge is meeting the demand? I'll jump in. 
Yes, as an industry, if I talk to surveyors in my jurisdiction, then they say they're so busy they can't take off enough work. Like it's, they're overwhelmed. Me in particular, I am underwhelmed, and that might be part of my business model that I am higher than those other guys. But am I unhappy about the fact that I'm doing less work, but have higher margins? No, I'm not unhappy about that. Mm. That's a great point. What about you, Nolan? Uh, I think it's kind of almost client driven. <laughs> and also as myself trying to grow, because, you know, I think everybody's facing time. I mean, everybody wants it done tomorrow. Can't get it. If you're, if there's so much work out there and there's a shortage, you know, you just have a backlog and you just create a backlog and a backlog. But, you know, I'm trying to grow my business and I'm in a part of the state where historically people are cheap. Like, so, I mean, I sent this again. I mean, do you want it fast? <laughs> do you want it cheap? Or do you want it on time? But guess what? You only got to pick two. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm never going to be the cheapest. I, I just know that. So, you know, my, my driven focus is time and the, uh, Time and the other one. <laughs> Time oh, yeah, and quality. added value. There you go. <laughs> so and then it also, also, I would assume it would depend upon the type of projects that, you know, what's, who's calling you? Who's hitting you up for work? You know, is it, is this qualifications based type projects or is this just mm-hmm. hard bid type stuff? Right. Yep. Is it cold calling? Is it, you know, Mr. Joe? Mrs. Joe, or is it company XYZ, or is it the state of X, yeah. you know, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, Nolan, in your case, I mean, you started a business at a really great time. You know, I know a lot of people, Trent Keenan, for example, that started his company like in 2008, like when the market crashed. That's kind of when he started his business. Talk about a risk. Holy crap. Yeah. You know, right now, the, the market is what it is. Um, you know, here in Arizona, for example, I mean, development is like an all-time high. Um, more people are moving to Arizona than ever. I mean, it's a great time to be in the survey business. There's no doubt. So, you know, Nolan, kudos to you for, you know, taking that leap at the right time. And the private and public side obviously kind of mm-hmm. work co you know side by side, mm-hmm. but you yep. know you want to just make sure you're diversified, make sure you have a little bit of both. Yep. When one drops, you got the other to go. Okay. Yep, no doubt about it. Listen, we could talk about this for a month. We've hit on a lot of points this evening, mm-hmm. and you know, thank you first and foremost for all you guys being here. We can have this conversation. I love these type conversations where we literally just have conversations about stuff, you know, just open dialogue and everybody just chimes in. So hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yep. I'd love to. Yes. Sure. Round Definitely. two. Absolutely. No, no question. So is there anything else that you guys want to add to it before we get out of here? Um, Michael, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, wow. Um, I guess all I... The one point I want to make, if anything, is in small business, networking is key, whether it's to other people in your industry or to people that would hire you. Go to every event where you can meet somebody. Go out there, shake hands. I know COVID protocol in the recent in recent days has been hard, but it's all about relationships. Nolan hit it right on the head. It's 
if you have a relationship with somebody, you can get work, you can talk to them, you can deal with any adversity that you have. Just go out, network, make relationships. That is key in small business. Yeah, no well, question. Well said. Yeah, and we talked about it before. It's like when you're when you're a, in a, part of a large business, it makes perfect sense for you to have relationships with the medium size and the small business people. And when you're in a small business, it makes gr- perfect sense for you to build relationships with those medium sized guys and those large size guys. It's mutually beneficial. Right. No question. No one. What, what, what do you guys, or anything out that you want to get out there before we get out of here? Uh, the only thing I would probably add is, you know, you know, you said I started my business at the right time. I've always been looking to start my business though. I will, I will add, and it's not trying to like deter people away, but starting a business isn't for everybody. Um, you have to have a mean backbone and you got to be willing to put in the time. I mean, it is not a 40 hour job. Your, your phone is always on, you know, not everybody's going to call you at two in the morning, but I mean, maybe it will, but we won't talk about that anymore, <laughs> but you know, you, you, you can be working weekends or you got to be ready depending on what clients you're serving or, you know, what you're doing, whether it's just for five minutes on a Saturday or two minutes on a Sunday, like you are a business owner 24 seven. You, there's no, Oh, I'm just going to sit back and relax and just let everybody do it. You know, maybe some people are, but I don't know, as a small business owner, you got to be ready to go 24 seven. But would you agree? It's also important for you to take time for yourself. Oh yes, of right. course. I'm, yeah, and I'm not trying to say you know if you're a small business owner, you mm-hmm. are working every every day, every minute, every second. But yeah. it's a work it's a work balance thing at that point. It's in the work balancing. I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what I'm talking about because I know how this can go. I've been doing this long enough to know that when you're fully vested in this and you're spending every waking hour on business related activities, your personal life can suffer. And it's important to make note that you need to be careful of that, of your business, like taking control of, of your life in general. But before Will goes, I can, in my perception is yeah. like when you have someone like Will who it's not work because he loves what he does. Yeah. And that's the key to everything. And mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. still searching for that, loving what I do yeah. when it's not work anymore. And he's got his kids involved. You know, everybody's involved. It's actually like a lifestyle. It's yeah. not even mm, it's not point. even work at this point. Sure. And I think Will has a lot to teach in that regard. Will, we want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, shit, man. I mean, like I said, it just, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. You know, and well said. there's a lot of kids out there that like running around in the mountains and, and looking for stuff and hiking around. And, you know, they just, I just... That's the hardest part about being a business owner for me is separating the love for it because I absolutely mm. love surveying. And so it's hard. Good point. You know, like I get jobs that uh, maybe I wouldn't do, but God, that's a fucking awesome area. And I really <laughs> wanted to go check that shit out. So yeah, I'm going to do that job. You know what I mean? And, and I, and the monetary value, it's like, yeah, as long as I, you know, I'm going to, I'm not, not trying to get rich here, but. It's a you different know, dynamic. I want to. I want to get up there. I've always wanted to get up there and work in that area. And God, now I'm going to get paid to ride my quad up there all day long and and go dig around and look for this shit that I've always wanted to check out. You know, like it's awesome. Like, and so I just that's the hard part for me as a business owner is separating that. I mean, 
He's like, oh, yeah, I can make money, more money doing this. <laughs> I know, I, I, but it is. And I just, it's, I just, I wish I could just show more people. So that's why I want to show more people how mm. awesome our trade is. Yeah. And, you know, that get off your phone, get out of there, get, come on, let's go. Let me show you some really cool stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you just had someone open that door, and I think we get so busy in our day-to-day and our business and all this stuff that we don't look Can at you just it. call it a trade? Oh, it's a profession. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, we don't have time. Take a break. Take a break. We don't have time for that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Just, we are, you know we are going to have an entire episode on that because I've talked to some people over the course of the last yeah. week, like from different parts of the world, about trade versus profession, and it's so interesting the different perspectives that yeah. are out there. So we'll have a we'll have an episode about. There's that. no other profession that you can go to the hotel bar and show someone your laptop and instantly they're all just hooked you can have 10 people going wait no what? that's no this is how you i'll see you guys a little bit right now. <laughs> this is like <laughs> so i yeah i just yeah no i totally survey get it dork. i mean yeah no I that's awesome that bar. Well, go ahead michael what was that i was just gonna say Noel's gonna hit that hotel bar <laughs> I think you get your laptop. Bring your laptop. I, I think he's some bu- survey porn. Let's I, watch. Yeah, I think he bought a bottle of uh, cheap peanut butter whiskey, so he'll, he'll be okay. <laughs> All right, shoot, you got anything else, buddy? No, I think that was, it was pretty darn thorough on this one. I think yeah, it was could, fantastic. We, we could, could do it again. We well, we could go on for another hour and a half. I think yes. easily, no and question. The, and and I like the yep. idea of this trade versus profession one coming up. Yep, we'll have that as well. That was that was sprung on me tonight. <laughs> a lot of things were sprung on you tonight. Oops. Oh man! Thanks everybody. You guys were awesome. Thanks for being here. Um, and yeah, let's let's do it again. I love these conversations and the the passion behind you know each one of your stories and and you know the way you project yourselves and and your business models and things like that. It's just it's infectious, and I absolutely love to hear it. Um, so thank you for being here. Other than that, PJ, you got anything, buddy? Nothing. Steve, you got anything else? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, yeah, Happy good point. I good think point. what PJ meant to say turkey was brine. put a bow on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days, and I just want to say I'm thankful for all you guys. Oh, for, for different oh. reasons. Yeah. Big group hug. No. Big group hug. No come group on. Come in here. Come in no. here. <laughs> Doreen is not here. It's <laughs> old hands. All right. Well, that'll do it. Hands down, another friend-making, value-adding show. Please be sure to check us out at thegeaholics.com. Follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Don't forget to download all of our podcasts from the new podcast app available at lancefearsunited.com. Send us an email at info at thegeaholics.com and let us know what you think of the show. We'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program, such as AGS. Every chance you get, be sure to mention you're a geoholic for the VIP experience. Pay it forward. Add value. Make friends. As Dwight would say, before you do something stupid, think to yourself, would an idiot do that? And if the answer is yes, don't do it. <laughs> J. Roddy Walson in the business. Don't break the needle. Until next time, everybody. Be safe and healthy. Happy Thanksgiving. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, 
Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, MentoringMondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, MonsonEngineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, NLCPrep.com, Parkland Community College, Parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Tiger Supplies, TigerSupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, Geospatial.trimble.com.